Hi, this is Keisha. Welcome to the Face to Face podcast. So this is my Sunday morning messy hair and coffee with Jesus. And I decided that for today, I am going to share a little bit of a testimony that I have. It is a testimony of how I chose to surrender some very difficult circumstances to God. And as a result, I received some much needed breakthrough. I hope that what I have to share blesses you as much as it has blessed me. I believe that there are so many out there struggling who are trying to find answers. And this is not a very popular answer, but I believe that it is an answer that God gave me so that I could share it with you. As I sit here this morning, drinking my coffee and watching the sunrise, I find myself marveling at the way that God is able to do things in our lives without us really doing much of anything at all. And I guess this story began about eight years ago when my husband had a grand mal seizure that led us to find out that he had a brain tumor. And it was a whirlwind of a process. We went from just being normal people with normal family life to now having this diagnosis overwhelming our lives and looming over our heads. And it is it is such a traumatic thing for any family to go through. And of course, it's more than just the diagnosis. It's all the things that go along with it. You know, things like job loss and insurance loss and doctor's appointments that just never seem to end and the emotional turmoil of each person that's affected. It was uh, it was definitely a test of our faith right from the very start. And I did press into Jesus with everything that I am. I was seeking after him and praying and you know, just covering my husband and covering the situation in prayer. And he got through the first phase, so to speak. He had a he had a brain surgery and went through chemo. And he got through the first phase. The seizures were under control. And life kind of leveled out a little bit. We had about a, a year of normalcy. Then suddenly we found ourselves thrust back into round two. He began having seizures again. 
and no medication would touch them. There was no combination of drugs that they could give him, and he was having seizures. Started out about once a month, and then, you know, as time went on, it got worse. And the MRIs really weren't showing anything significant. Um, but of course, it was making a significant impact on our family. He was tired and, you know, it, it was just, it was a very difficult process to go through. And, and it was probably about two years into the uh, the ordeal, the second round before it finally came to a place where um, he needed treatment again. But also in the midst of this, he had been receiving disability. And, you know, as it sometimes goes with such things, they were challenging us, even with the fact that he was debilitated from seizures, he had physical disabilities, um, mental impairments. And we were having to fight for him to have his disability reinstated. Um, and that ended up being a two-year process. So in the midst of it, um, yeah, he's going through what he's going through and finances are not good because we had lost what little bit of income he had. We were living completely off of my income and with the job that I work, uh, I don't get paid unless I, unless I work. I'm considered self-employed, so I don't have typical benefits. Um, so I found myself, you know, having to buckle down and, and work on during times when I, I really would have liked to have been home to help him and I wasn't able to do that. And yeah, it was just, um, it was a long road and I just want to add this as well. You know that there were some other situations that that had happened um, right around the time that he started having seizures again. So it was like this culmination of it just really felt like a job experience. You know his health was declining, and we had financial strain, and and uh, had people that uh, we thought were our friends that were uh, pulling away from us for reasons outside of this, but um, it just seemed like it all happened at the same time. So there we were trying to manage normal day-to-day -day life, and um, some days it was good, other days it was really bad. Uh, but then we came to the point where the doctors were saying, you know, it's inevitable radiation and chemo. Um, the tumor was, was filling in brain folds and 
There really wasn't much they could do operably, but they were concerned about it impairing him physically even further. So there we were in January uh, facing the this inevitable thing of having to go back into treatment again. And like I said, financially, we were horribly strained. He was going to have to be transported. He couldn't drive because of the seizure, so he was going to have to be transported five days a week, an hour away, in order to have radiation treatments and doctor visits. And... Uh, we were also still in the midst of this court battle over his disability and his court date was canceled. Uh, they were having technical difficulties at the at the hearing and it was a televised hearing so they had to cancel and reschedule. And then the next thing you know, it's getting canceled and rescheduled again because of the weather. It was like January, February. So here we were with this looming over our heads. I wasn't going to get paid if I took time off. So we were going to have to try and coordinate five days a week for six weeks, him getting back and forth to his treatments. And Knowing that financially we were not going to see uh, any of his disability payments for a very long time. My family just felt like it was falling apart. We were in counseling at the time, you know, trying to cope. There's no shame in that. Um, you know, we were just struggling horribly. And it was, uh, there was just this, this breaking point for me. You know, he had, he had called disability and said, listen, this is the situation I'm in. We don't know what we're going to do. And their answer was, we're sorry, but unless you're terminal or homeless, there's nothing we can do. You'll just have to wait. So he reported that back to me. Told me about it uh, on, an eve on the evening of our counseling appointment. We were driving to go to that, and, and he told me what they had said. And it was almost like... Something in me, it was, I just, I felt like it was almost, you know, when you, when you tune a guitar string too tightly and it just broke. Well, that's how I, what I felt like inside. I felt like something inside of me just broke. I wasn't mad. I wasn't sad. I wasn't, I wasn't anything. It was like my emotions just turned off. And we went to the counseling session and we came home 
and I went through the motions of the evening, just numb, and went to bed. And I woke up in the morning, as I always did, and before I even put my feet on the floor, I felt this nudge in my heart that before I did anything else to get on my knees and pray. And when I felt that nudge in my heart, it was almost like this indignation rose up in me and I became, I became angry, but you know, I, I was mad at the Lord, but I, I, I also at the same time, I, I had this conflicting thing going on. I was mad, but I wanted to hear from him because I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I almost begrudgingly went out into the other room where my chair is that I would, I would sit and have quiet time with the Lord. And I knelt down and I said, okay, well, what do you want me to pray about? And it just hit me so hard. It was like this, this piercing of my heart. And I heard the Lord say, you don't trust me. And I felt like he just, he had exposed this part of my heart that I really just wasn't seeing because I was so caught up in everything going on. And I just, I felt like something inside of me just opened up and I, I had this revelation of the fact that I was basically trying to control everything that was happening. And, you know, I, I say this as someone who has had to walk out some difficult things. Sometimes you just can't help it because the trauma of what you're going through makes you just feel crazy. And it's okay to lose your center. It's okay to lose your center. But I'm thankful for that moment when he showed me that I was trying to be in control. And uh, so I, I was crying and just very heartbroken. And I told the Lord, I said, I'm so sorry that I, I wasn't trusting you. And I said to him from the absolute bottom of my heart, I said, Lord, I, I just lay this before you. I don't know what to do. I'm just making a bigger mess. So I'm just going to give this to you and I'm going to trust you no matter what, no matter if it means, you know, 
the one of the biggest fears was that we were going to lose our home because I couldn't afford to keep up with the with the house. I said, Lord, even if it means that because of all of this, we end up in a two bedroom apartment somewhere with nothing more than, you know, a little bit of food to eat and clothes on our back, whatever it means, Lord, I'm just going to lay this down and trust you. And with those words, I got up and went on about my morning. Well, it was about two weeks later as I was, as I was working, um, all of a sudden, I had this image pop in my head of our house with a for sale sign out in front of it. And it just threw me off guard because that was not even something I had been thinking about. We had discussed it at one point, but I had pretty much set it aside when we found out that he was going to have to go through treatment again because, you know, just wasn't logical, right? <laughs> it wasn't logical. But this was one of those instances where I was going to discover that my God is not always a logical God, okay? So, of course, my first thought was, I must be losing my mind because <laughs> Putting the house up for sale right now would be insane. Now this was, yeah, this must have been March of 2000, 2019. And, uh, yeah, so, so I was like, that's crazy. But I just, I knew in my heart that this was the Lord speaking to me. You know, you just, you know you know, when you spend time with the Lord and, and you talk to him regularly, you begin to know the difference between your flesh and the, the nudges of the Holy Spirit. And I knew in my heart that this was the Lord. So I kind of felt like I had to, I kind of felt like I had to, to test it in a way because I was a big deal. Uh, so I just said, okay. Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Whatever you tell me to do first, I'm going to do it. And if it's meant to be, it'll happen. If it's not, the door will close. This is the way I'm going to walk it out. You know, that was, when I look back on that, that is what a surrendered heart does. Okay, so when when you lay something down before the Lord, that's what it's going to look like. So that was my mentality going forward. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do first? So the first thing that popped into my head was uh, a mortgage broker that I had worked with uh, when we bought the when we bought the house we were in. So. I contacted the mortgage broker and I said, okay, this is what I've got. And would you tell me if we're eligible 
and what we would qualify for for a mortgage. So, you know, he was like, yeah, sure, of course, I'll I'll check into that for you. And of course, in the back of my mind, the whole time, I'm like, this is where the door is going to close. Okay, because the thing was, is we had just, we had had to, because of our financial situation, we had had to file bankruptcy uh, in 2015. So hadn't even been, a, it had just been over three years, um, not even three years. I think we had maybe closed everything out in December of 2015. But anyway, um, it hadn't been very long. Um, so I knew that that was looming over our heads. So I was like, this is, this is where the door is going to close, right in my face. He's going he's gonna to laugh me out of here, right? So he calls me back the next day and he's like, you're good to go. Um, you've got plenty of wiggle room and and uh congratulations you know you've been pre-approved and I just I couldn't even believe it I said okay well all right that that door was open what next so then next was uh God put a name of a realtor in my head someone that we had just overheard of in in conversation and uh so I reached out to him and I was like, uh, hey, you know, can you come over and check out the house? And, and of course, there again, in the back of my head, I'm thinking he's going to come in. You know, we still owed quite a bit on the house. We hadn't even really owned it. We hadn't barely owned it for 10 years yet. And I'm like, oh, we'll probably never get what we're what we need to, we, we'll barely get what we need to pay it off. And, um, so he, you know, he comes right away, very enthusiastic, uh, young realtor. And, uh, he knew our, he knew our children. He had, he had gone to school in between our two oldest children. Uh, so that kind of felt weird, <laughs> but Anyway, he had come, he was very enthusiastic, took a look around the house, and he's like, Are you ready for this? This is what I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna say we would put the house on the market for. Well it ended up being like it ended up being like fifty thousand dollars more than what I had expected he was going to tell us the house was worth. So that in and of itself just felt divine in nature. He was very enthusiastic. He's like, oh, I, I don't think you'd have any problem selling this house very quickly. You know, here's the things that I would suggest that you need to get done. Um, before you put it on the market, once you have those things done, you let me know and we'll, we'll get the paperwork rolling. So I was just blown away by the fact that God was opening these doors. Because of course, here we were, it was March. Ken was going to start radiation and chemo in April. So it meant that we would get those things done and then the house would go on the market while he was in the midst of radiation and chemo. And I'm thinking to myself, my life is already overwhelmed. What am I doing? 
But still, I felt like the prompting of the Lord was there to continue forward. I felt like he kept saying, you said you were going to trust me. You said you were going to trust me. Well, let me tell you, this was a test of whether I really meant that I was surrendering everything and I was going to trust him. So we had some really good friends that helped us get some of the things done that needed to be done. We were able to do it with, you know, didn't have a lot of resources. So luckily, um, we were able to get it done for very little money, a lot less than what we had been quoted. Praise God, every little, every little blessing that he gave us along the way. Wow. I just think about it sometimes and it just, it overwhelms me. But so we had him come back and we signed the paperwork and I'm just like sick to my stomach, you know, thinking about what this is going to be like. I'd never sold a house before, so I had no idea what we were going to be up against. Oh, well, little did I know that it was going to be a whirlwind. We put the house on the market, and the very day that he listed the house, the request to come and see the house started coming in. I want to say that we showed the house maybe a total of six times inside of 10, 10 days. And the offer for the house was made 10 days after we put it on the market. The Well, there were a couple of offers made, but I felt like the Lord was telling me, nope, you stick with this one number. And I was very adamant that I wasn't going to sell the house for any less than this one number that the Lord had given me. And he, he made me stick to my guns. And so there was this, you know, it said, Oh, we'll give you this. And I'm like, Nope, Nope. I don't, I don't feel like I'm supposed to budge. And finally they came back with a counter offer and were willing to meet us at exactly the number that the Lord had given me. So essentially, I think it was, we had shown the house six or seven times inside of 10 days. The final offer was made on the 14th day. We got the call uh, when we were having a small birthday party for Ken. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, I never, ever expected it to go this quick. You know, I thought we were going to have all kinds of time and get Ken through his radiation and all. There I went thinking again, right? So, so then it ended up that we, you know, had accepted the offer, but we were going to sit in, in a contingency. We, they were willing to give us a 45-day contingency to find a house. So then that stress came <laughs> because of course you're at the mercy of what's on the market. And uh well once again God showed his 
mighty, merciful, last-minute hand. I believe we were on day 43 of the contingency, of the 45-day contingency. And uh, the realtor was like, I think there's maybe a, there might be a house that you would want to take a look at. So we ended up coming to the house. We looked at it. I knew immediately uh, these, they had just, they had just listed the house. We were the first people to look at it. And I told Ken, I said, we're making an offer. So we made the offer. They accepted the offer the same day. And, uh, so it end it ended up that in the end, we were able to we were able to use um money from the sale of our house to do the things that we needed to do because like i said we had no money <laughs> in the beginning of all this i was like god this isn't you know this is crazy how could this possibly work but we were able to do what we needed to do and we had some money left over so that we could tie up some loose ends, pay, pay some bills that needed to be paid, medical bills that were piling up. I mean, it was just this overwhelming, like God was just meeting us in so much. The house that we were going to move to, everything about it was perfect. It was everything that we had wanted. And I was just so overwhelmed with gratitude. Oh, and one thing that I left out was that I didn't have to not work. We didn't have to get people to get get Ken back and forth to his radiation appointments because the hospital that we chose to go with for his treatments actually provided all of his transportation. They came with a van every single day and picked him up and brought him back home when he was done. You want to talk about incredible. I am in awe of the way that God moved in our lives. And how he continues to move even to this day in subtle ways for us. But it was all because of an act of surrender. It was, I was able to, without really any help at all, other than my, other than my 14-year-old daughter. And Ken couldn't do anything. He was so sick. He couldn't do anything. I, with the help of my 14-year-old daughter, we cleaned out, packed up, and organized everything for a move in a 2,800-square-foot house. I had to get rid of stuff because we were downsizing. And, you know, just everything that I did, I had to clean out my husband's garage and 
do everything by myself. I had to organize everything and I was still gone from home 10 hours a day because my job, I have to drive about 45 minutes both ways. And on top of that, I was, I picked up my, my, uh, my baby granddaughter from daycare every day and would bring her home and she'd be with us for a few hours in the evening before her mama would get home from work. I'm telling you guys, it was only by the grace of God that I was able to do what I did and do it successfully. I take absolutely no credit. The only thing that I take credit for is that I surrendered everything to God. I handed it to him and I put him in control of what came next. And now I didn't put demands on God. I didn't tell him you have to do this, this, and this. And see, that's the difference between what I was taught and what I ended up ultimately doing was the fact that I put it in his hands and I said, even worst case scenario, God, I know you're still good. I know you're a good God. And in that situation, that's what he needed from me. He needed me to be willing to believe by faith that he was a good God even if it meant that the hardest things were going to happen. And I, you know, I, I could go on and on and on. And I, I, I want to kind of wrap this up because I went a little longer than I, I had anticipated uh, telling the story, but I, I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to add what I added. But I can definitely tell you that Every day, I just wake up with a sense of gratitude in my heart for all the amazing things that God has done in my life over the past couple of years. Even in the midst of the pandemic that we've gone through, even in the midst of, I have been able to live from that place because I had that breakthrough, because I saw the goodness of God. I was able to taste and see of his goodness. Now, when hard things come our way, and that's not to say that I don't have days where I feel overwhelmed or sad or tired. You know, let's let's just get that out of the way right now. Just because you're surrendering to God does not mean that you're going to walk around skipping and jumping and, you know. But there, there is a difference between circumstantial happiness and the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is this deep rooted thing in your soul where ultimately, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what your emotions might be, you know, it's well. And I just want to read for you out of Proverbs three, uh, Starting in five, it's out of the message translation. I really like this, uh, how it's worded. But it says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. 
Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. And it's so true. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. And I, I say you yourself, you can listen to my testimony and be like, oh, wow, that's wonderful. But you yourself coming before God and allowing him to have lordship in your circumstance is what's going to bring you the breakthrough that you need. Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And giving him full lordship is admitting that we don't know everything. Just as it says in that translation. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. I truly believe that even with the best of intentions, even with the the best heart, because my heart was never for anything more than just to see my family succeed in all of this. But when I recognized the way that I was trying to, I was trying to take control of it. I was trying to say, God, if you would just do it my way, you know, my prayers have changed because of this. Prayers of trust are very, very different and so much more intimate. I don't come before God with a list of things that he needs to do in my life. Yes, there are times that I, I, come into agreement with his word and his promises. But at the end of it, I always say, but God, your will be done. Just as Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. He's like, oh, Father, that you might take this cup from me. But if it's your will, if it's your will, Let your will be done. That is the goal. That is the ultimate. Is to be able to surrender everything to him. And it's a battle. It's a battle with our flesh. Because we just want to figure everything out. We just want to understand why everything happened. We want to understand why Things aren't the way that we had hoped they would be. But God can meet you in that. He can meet you in the place of hope and expectation with something better. He can meet you with better. And the the road isn't always easy. But when we trust him and we recognize that he's the one who opens a door and he's the one who closes a door. And we are willing to praise him 
in whatever it is he chooses to do with our life. There is a lot of power. There's a lot of power in that. And I I do believe that in the circumstances that we're living in right now, in the times we're living in right now, this is a treasure. This is a treasure. And if you're willing to receive this treasure of living a surrendered life, I call I call it being surrendered warriors. Warriors take orders and they serve the one who is in command. Warriors don't make decisions for themselves. They take orders. And they trust the one who tells them to do what they need to do. They don't question it. They do it. We're surrendered because we know who we are and we know that we're loved. So I really hope that this blessed you. Um, As always, if you have any comments or questions or if you need prayer, you can leave me a voice message in the link in the description or you can email me at face2facekmj at gmail.com. Have a blessed day, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.